0: Welcome back to the island. Jay Sahoda, Bilal Alahi back at it for another episode of Baller Island. We got another jam packed episode coming your way, so make sure to keep it locked. On this episode, Bilal and I will recap the conference semifinals two huge game sevens in the East between the Bucks and the Nets and the Sixers and the Hawks. We will also break down how the Los Angeles Clippers finally made it. To the Western Conference Finals for the first time in franchise history, we will break down all three of those series. We will also preview both Eastern and Western Conference Finals matchups between the Hawks and the Bucks and the Clippers and the Suns. We will also get to the NBA's coaching carousel as three new teams have been added to the long list of NBA head coaching vacancies. Dallas, Washington, and New Orleans are now looking for new head coaches. We'll also talk about the Kemba Walker trade to the Oklahoma City Thunder from the Boston Celtics. And of course, don't forget to give Baller Island a follow on Instagram and Twitter for more sports news and analysis. What is cracking, friends? Welcome back to the island, another episode of Baller Island. And goodness gracious me, we have a ton of. Of stuff to go over. And I swear to God. Literally. The next day. After we recorded our previous episode. All hell broke loose. B. I don't even know where the hell to start. From. The Bucks Nets. Crazy. Game 7. The Sixers. Epic collapse. The coaching carousel. Is turning. Left right and center. And then your guy. Kemba Walker. Got traded. To OKC. We're going to
1: cover it all. And then. And then big injuries to two pretty important people too.
0: Oh yeah, 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 I'm sorry. Forgot to mention, yeah, Kawhi Leonard, one of the best two-way players in all of basketball, is injured in the Western Conference Finals, which is the Clippers' first appearance in 50 years. They finally get there and they don't even have their star. And then the Suns get there for the first time in a decade. And Chris Paul is on the COVID list. As soon as we thought we were behind all the COVID stuff, Of course it had to happen to Chris Paul, because of course it did.
1: Gotta bite someone in the ass, man. That's
0: honestly, like what are the odds? But we'll get into that. But I think we will start with last time when we came on here, it was, I believe, around game five-ish. Yeah, each of the final three Bucks, Nets, Sixers, Hawks, Clippers, were all tied at two on last week's episode. The Bucks are Milwaukee Bucks. Our prayers were answered. We'll get to that series. We'll start with that one. The Sixers, epic choke job. We'll get to that one as well. And the LA Clippers took down the Jazz in six, as we both predicted. So where do you want to start?
1: i think say we start with Philly, man. There's so much going on in Philly. Doc Rivers, Ben Simmons, like <laughs> each, each series got like 20 plus subplots, man. I don't even know.
0: I... <sighs> the 76ers frustrate me. And I... And I think it comes down to the fact of, you know what it is, and, and honestly, I was going to call out all of these all these predictions once we get to the series, but you called this one, since we're starting with the Sixers, you called this right from the get-go, that a team that is rebuilding can't win in the playoffs because they're too inexperienced. And that's all I saw in those last three games, well, really two out of the last three there. I completely saw it. So you were bang on with that.
1: I don't even think, to be honest, I don't like, congrats to Atlanta, but like to be real here, this series is 110% about Philly losing the series than it is about Atlanta winning it.
0: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. The Atlanta Hawks were down what was it, 26 in game 5? 26 points. Like, how did, like, that that is, like, in I don't even know how to put that into words. How you allow that to happen at home. Not even on the road. At home. In a, in a game that Exactly to your point of how rebuilding teams can't win in the playoffs. That is a game that you must have at home. You are the top seed in the Eastern Conference. I and you let it slide to the significantly inexperienced Atlanta Hawks.
1: I just I, wa- I, I I can't believe it. When I watch this series, first of all, I like Nate McMillan. Like did outstanding job, but I don't even think like. Trey Young had some games where he was like in three for 20, like some awful, awful shooting games. But there's Trey Young has got this, like, gusto about him. Like, you know, down the stretch, he going to be the dude that is not scared. And all series long, he was like, yo, he was like the one that looked like, yo, I'm, I'm the MVP of the league. And it was Embiid who looked like, you know, he had that one game where he was 0 for 12 in the second half and they blew that lead, and he missed a game-winning layup. Ben Simmons doesn't even want to shoot the ball in the in the fourth quarter. He took three fourth-quarter shots all series long. Not a single field goal attempt in the last four games in the game set uh, of the fourth quarter. Seth Curry was real deal, their second-best player. And then, like, Trey Young was the only dude that was just fearless when it came down to that. And if it's like you got two – Teams that nobody's experienced is gonna go to the tougher team. Like the dude that's got the most balls in the game, isn't it? Like it's crazy to me.
0: I yeah, you're you're bang on with that. You know, Joel Embiid did exactly what he was supposed to do, be your star player. And considering that he played that entire series on a banged up meniscus, I applaud Joel Embiid for going out there no, grinding I hard, it, yeah. fighting through all of that, dropping thirty a game. I respect the hell out of that. And then you have, like you mentioned, Seth Curry was great. He had 30 points in that game five, but then was dry as hell in game six, or down the stretch in game five, rather. Game six, he was not bad. He had 20, Embiid had 20, Tobias Harris had 20. And then the other night in game seven, Joel Embiid does his thing with 30, Seth Curry 16, Tobias Harris 24. Not bad. But when you talk about the Philadelphia 76ers, Joel Embiid your star player, who's your number two guy? Everyone kind of goes to Ben Simmons. And this guy puts up a pathetic five points in Game 7, eight points in Game 6, and I'm pretty sure something along the lines of six points in Game 5.
1: He averaged under 10 for the series. You have got
0: to be kidding me. As the number one overall pick in the NBA draft, to average single digits as the top seed in the Eastern Conference— The Philadelphia 76ers made a massive mistake moving on from Jimmy Butler and deciding to keep Ben Simmons to pair with Joel Embiid.
1: No, 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 no. I can't. Oh, my God. So, first up, it was 1-1, okay? Game three, they went to Atlanta, and Ben Simmons had a crazy good third quarter. He took that game over for me. And after that, I thought the series was a wrap. Even though, literally, when we did our episode and it was 1-1, I was like, yo, this game... This series is going to go seven, and Atlanta could win this series. But then literally in game three, I flipped like crazy, and I was like, yo, this one could be done. They go up 20 in game four, and they're like, you're already up 2-1. the series of a wrap. Ben Simmons, here's when this comes in. I've been a Ben Simmons fan. Okay? Literally a year ago, there was an con- actual debate, 50-50, most people were, on Philly's a train wreck. We have these two can't play together. We have to move one. Who are you going to keep for the future, Ben Simmons or? Can you believe we were having that conversation one year ago?
0: That's absolute madness to me, and it's and it's then, a clear cut answer after this series. Who it is to me? Because one guy came out played their ass off on an on an injured knee, and the other one was fully healthy and averaged below
1: ten points. And then and then he. It's not even like okay, we get that you can't shoot. Shaq made a great point. He's like. You could never shoot. That was never your game. Like, Giannis can't shoot. But Giannis still impacts the game like crazy. He gets 40 points. Like, he still has a crazy impact on the game, and you can see that. But, and there's literally that one play yesterday in game seven where he had the wide open dunk and passed it open to a, a content, he, he had a wide open to a double teamed Matisse Thiebel for a layup. And that one play was his whole series in a play. It was so brutal. I can't, and it's at this point. It's like they were like the Philly didn't want to put him in a deal for James Harden, and now his value is so low, where there's no team that even wants him anymore.
0: Yeah, no, I. It would be extremely hard to put together a trade package for a guy with that kind of performance in the playoffs. Um, I mean, I I'd lost for words really, but Philadelphia. I mean, it's. That's tough. I mean, I don't know what else to say. I mean, geez, I mean, two or three years, two, two, three years, or whenever it was 2019, you know, you thought you had a chance, and then, you know, you had to go down after Kawhi hit that buzzer beater. Brutal way to end a season. And then last year, you get swept in the first round. And then this year, you're the top seed. You got Doc Rivers as your head coach. You know, you're looking pretty good after a really good regular season. And then to lose in seven at home to the Atlanta Hawks is, I don't even really know what to say to that. Without but Big,
1: without big too.
0: Yeah. Bogdanovich was out there. Yeah. He was in and out. He wasn't totally healthy down the stretch in that game. Definitely. But I mean, I, I'll, I'll just end this before we move on to the Bucks nets. I'll, I'll say this though. Congratulations to the Atlanta Hawks. I mean, goodness gracious. This was the one team in the East coming into the playoffs that I knew the least about. I'll tell you, I know a crap ton about what this team is all about now, and I swear to God, if Nate McMillan is not offered a big-time contract after the season, I'm going to have to come on here and go on a massive rant because this guy earned his paycheck for the job that he's done with this really, really young, youthful Atlanta Hawks team to be four wins away from the NBA Finals. I mean, that's a hell of a job by Nate McMillan and Trey Young, Kevin Herter, Bob Donovich, Clint Capella, this entire team. Excellent job. John Congratulations. Collins. Yeah, John Collins. Absolutely. Congratulations to them. I'm excited to see what they do against Milwaukee. Sure. Hold on,
1: hold on. I got it. We got to talk about some other things before we move on. In a weird way, I feel like Danny Green got hurt early in that game three. And I feel, or in, early in that game five. And I feel like, in a weird way that they don't blow those 20 point lids with Danny Green playing, even though he was brutal when he was on the floor. Like he's just got like that vet, like he knows what to do. He's been there, done that. And that's why Doc Rivers plays him so much. And then the second yeah. thing, Doc Rivers catching a lot of heat. And I gave Doc Rivers all the heat he deserved last year because he was brutal last year. But this one I do not think is on Doc Rivers. He, you were in a position to get 20, you were up 25 points. And they showed, you know how they showed the the huddles and whatever. He's like, he's like, because this shit is going to bite you back in the ass. And it fully did. Like, he knew it was coming. You could tell by this guy's press conferences and whatever. Even yesterday, when you are talking about Ben Sims, he knows this squad doesn't have that, like, maturity. It's not on him. This is on, on everybody else, Seth Curry and Joel Embiid.
0: Yeah, and it's it's tough for Doc because, you know, last year with the Clippers and, and getting fired for blowing a 3-1 lead, you know, Doc is the coach. He's not on the court playing. And when, you, when you're coaching a team and you have a lot of talent and you blow a 3-1 lead, that's not a great look. And then the same thing here. You have a great team against a, a team you're supposed to be and you're blowing, you know, 20-point leads and then losing game seven at home it's hard to kind of blame. Everyone goes to blame the coach, but it's hard to blame Doc Rivers because he's not the one playing. And And he's putting his team in good positions to win. You're up by 25 points. The Clippers were up 3-1. It's the player's job to finish those games, not on the coach. So I'm
1: with you on that. And game six, which I can't believe they actually won to make it go to game seven. Like, you could tell. Like, he put Tyrese Max on, and Tyrese Maxx balled out. But it's like he doesn't want to play Ben Simmons. He doesn't want to play Ben Simmons, but it's because of the name. And he's like basically one of the faces of the franchise. It's like, you can't like, he's has the pressure of playing Ben Simmons.
0: Yeah, I agree. It's going to be really interesting this off season. Cause I have a weird feeling that the Sixers or someone in that vicinity, maybe it's duck rivers, maybe it's someone else that is going to push to move Ben Simmons and try and get some other assets there. But it will be very interesting to see if anyone even even bothers to budge, to put together a trade package for a guy like Ben Simmons after that atrocious performance?
1: No, to be honest, I, I would still, I still like him, but I ain't paying 40 mil for him, or is he my second best player? If he's my fourth best player, sure, you know, that's a win.
0: Yeah, yeah and and we'll see what happens this offseason with that, but man, I, another heartbreaker for the 76ers, but I mean, man, that was one game seven of the two this weekend, but the other one, my God, this was a game that had been going down in NBA playoff history. What a ball game this was. And I think it kind of just summed up the series. Lived up to the hype. We knew the Bucks nets after after games one and two. We were saying, what is this crap? The Bucs, they're looking horrible and looking like the Milwaukee schmucks and blah, blah, blah. They did it. They did it, B. Our prayers were answered. What a performance. Giannis Antetokounmpo, 40 points in game 7. Chris Middleton was my X-Factor when we were talking about it at the beginning of the series, dropping 38 in game 6, 23 in game 7 including that game winning 3 at the end there. What a game.
1: What a series, bro. We got game 5, The Katie's like... I can't even remember a game like I've seen like that when Katie went off in that game 5. Holy game 6, it was like I knew Milwaukee was going to win that game. KD just played the – KD and Harden played basically every single minute in game five. KD did. Harden played, like, missed two minutes. So, game six, it was kind of like a, you know, whatever, throwaway game. But every time they were going to make a run, Middleton was just amazing in that game. Time yep. timely shots. And then in game seven, again, Durant played every single minute. He played 53 minutes. And you could tell. He was amazing on in that game, too. Carried his team on his back. But then he, that that turnaround three with his foot on the line, oh, my God. I, there's nobody else, like, maybe in the history of the league that makes that shot except for that dude. And then you could tell in the, in the overtime last three possessions, he just ran out of gas. He got pinned by Lopez. You know, he, he airballed that one, and he missed a, a regular midi. He just ran out of gas. But that dude put on some all-time performances.
0: Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, I, I just – as much as I don't like Kevin Durant I gotta salute that performance not even just game seven the entire series what he did in game five was again a performance that'll be remembered for a really really long time so just an I really just an excellent job and really just put on a hell of a performance it was very entertaining to watch but I mean I, I got a lot to say on on the Nets because this is you know everyone kind of penciled them in to, to represent the East and you know, it was them or nothing, and and now people are gonna make excuses. Oh, if Kyrie was there, they would have won. Oh, if Harden was more healthy, you know, the blah blah blah. KD was sensational. I, it is nothing else, dude. They have other players. James Harden still could have done a little bit more. He was out there. He played almost every every minute of Game Seven, practically. If he was hurt, then I don't know why he wasn't. Then I don't know why he didn't make more of an impact, which you know, he did make somewhat this, of an impact.
1: If you're if you're on the floor, you're a hundred percent.
0: Yeah, exactly. I, I don't think there's there's any excuses to be said here because you had your chance. Milwaukee just beat you down the stretch. KD did everything possible to try and put them in a position to win, including hitting that ridiculous game-tying shot at the end of regulation. I mean, I, there's really nothing more to be said. I knew KD was going to do something. I remember just the, the seconds counting down late in that game and I was like, something crazy is about to happen. And, let a, and then there you go. KD goes and does that. But... The Bucks finally did it. I think that's the, really the takeaway from this game and this series is, yeah, the Nets didn't get it done. I think this is more so the Bucs did it. I don't care if Kyrie was out the last two games I or three games, whatever it was. Honestly, I don't really care about that because the Nets were still in position to win this game and win this series because of KD's heroics. And they still had James Harden and, and those other guys out there. So I'm not using that as an excuse. But Giannis stepped up. Chris Middleton stepped up. Tucker stepped up. Lopez stepped up after that horrible, horrible decision late in that fourth quarter. Man, he stepped up in a big way down the stretch. Drew Holiday. You know,
1: yeah, he actually played pretty well, Lopez. he Before that, he, did. he that one play, but he had some nice weak side blocks before that too. He did. And
0: then Drew Holiday wasn't having a great game. He was 5 for 23 in that game, but he yeah. showed up when it mattered most down Ooh. the
1: stretch. What did he have? That three, a midi, and then he yep. beat up Durant on the last play. That was-
0: yes, sir. That's it. It really just an excellent performance. And I think now you're going up against an Atlanta Hawks team. Yes, the Hawks have gotten here, but I think this is this is this is Milwaukee's chance. This is it. I mean, if you you look at it, you know, they match up well against the Clippers, they match up well against the Suns, the Bucks, this is their opportunity to win a title. Like this, this is it for the Milwaukee Bucks.
1: I mean, they match well against everybody. I mean, we both picked them to beat a healthy um, Brooklyn Nets team. But like, their literal their biggest like rival right now is honestly Bud. Like, he is so bad. Like, it's not even funny. Like, I don't blame Lopez for that play at all. He had two seconds. What is he supposed to do?
0: Yeah, it's no.
1: Bud. What kind of play call was that? And then. Like, what after game three or something? And Giannis was like, Yo, I have to take the challenge of guarding the best player in the world. I have to take the challenge of guarding KD. It's like, Okay, sure, yeah, yeah. And then he put, he stuck with PJ. PJ did well, but the minutes that PJ wasn't on, except for that one play, Drew Holiday was getting eaten by KD. I bet you if you look up the stats right now, highest percentage on, on Drew Holiday, like without a doubt. He's like, I don't get that at all. Then you're still letting this like game six was beautiful. Giannis took zero threes, that's what we want. Yeah. And then game seven, he shoots shoot seven threes again. The reason they won that game is because he had a random streak where he made seven free throws in a row. Like what is just he's the obstacle in their way. If anybody if, if they're gonna lose, it's because of him.
0: Yeah, Budenholzer definitely looks like he's lost at times on the sidelines. Um, And I honestly think that, yeah, I think he got bailed out by Giannis and Middleton, mainly Giannis, who really is showing his superstar, you know, abilities and his potential that everyone thought he would go. Can Giannis reach that potential? He's doing it right now. And by taking down the Brooklyn Nets, I think the sky is the limit for this team. Anything is possible from here on out. You know, championship is 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 what they can get at this rate with where they're going. And I want to point this out, too. Of course, like you mentioned, we both picked the Bucks to win. Our predictions are looking pretty nice right now. I mean, you predicted the Sixers with their inexperience that they wouldn't be able to win in the playoffs. Correct. You had the Clippers going to the NBA Finals. They made it to the Western Conference Final for the first time in franchise history. Correct. We both had the Milwaukee Bucks in the NBA Finals. Ding, ding, ding. And then lastly, I had the winner... Of The Lakers Suns representing the West in the NBA Finals that is still in play. How about our predictions? Not too bad. Not yeah, shabby. We got,
1: we got, I mean, if you told me Kawhi was gonna miss the last two games of, of the late the Clippers one, I wouldn't have picked the Clippers, but anyway. I, we'll try, I mean, we're yeah, gonna get to that anyways. But, I,
0: yeah, definitely. But let's start, uh, let's finish up with the Bucks Hawks here and then we'll get yeah, to yeah, yeah, the yeah. West. But,
1: for, um, I don't, I just don't buy – like, this series, I keep – I've said this every single round so far. I was like, New York is too good of a of a defensive team, too physical for Trae Young to, to really go off. And then he exposed them. Then I'm like, okay, now you're going against the two best perimeter defenders in the league and Daubo and Ben Simmons. expose them. Now I'm like, now you're going to have Drew Holiday and where Chris Middleton who's not too shy or even Giannis and Lopez in the paint. You know, The little floaters aren't going to go on. So I've literally gone in all three of these series. He's proved me wrong twice already. Let's see if he can do it a third time.
0: Damn. I mean, yeah, I've gone against the Hawks this whole time too. And honestly, it's funny that you mentioned Mike Budaholzer, a nice fact here. He's coaching against his former team. But right before he was the coach of the Bucks, he coached in Atlanta for a few years and actually that's the last time, time the Hawks in
1: the, Yeah, yeah.
0: Yes sir, that's exactly where I was going with that. The last time the Hawks were in a conference final was in 2015 when Mike Budenholzer was the head coach and they got swept by LeBron and the Cavaliers. Now he gets to face his ex-team, the Hawks, and it's funny that you mentioned that too. If I'm looking at this coaching matchup between Nate McMillan and and Budenholzer, I think Nate McMillan is the better coach in this in this matchup. Nate McMillan has out-coached pretty much every Really, Fibs and Doc Rivers, in a way, I wouldn't quite say totally, because the Knicks just were very good. They showed their inexperience, and then the Sixers—that was entirely the players. I wouldn't say that was on. We already talked about Doc Rivers. I don't think that was on him. But Nate McMillan, again, he's he he what he's doing with this team cannot be something to be shoved to the side. And I'm I'm gonna go on a stat with with the coaches remaining. In the NBA playoffs, I'll get to that once we're finished talking about all the series. But I mean, when when I look at this, you got the the Bucks who are making their second conference final in three years, the Hawks making their first since 2015. I think I'm gonna take Bucks in six. I wouldn't be surprised if this goes to seven, just because of how iffy the Bucks can be at times, and the Hawks are really really gritty and pesky. If you allow them to stay in a game, you are gonna lose. If you let the Atlanta Hawks stay, yeah,
1: that's perfect. If, yeah, if
0: you let the, if you blow them out and you put the gas on the pedal, you, you, you could sweep them if you wanted to. But if you allow them and you, even if you have like a five point lead or a six point lead going into the fourth, you're in trouble because Trey Young can knock down threes, Bogdanovich can knock down threes, Collins, Herder, the whole gang, they can not, they can shoot that rock really, really well and they can go from down 10 to, up five in the in the you know in a, in the in the snap of a finger like that's how good they are. But I'm going to take Bucks and six. I think the Hawks end up running out of steam. I have a feeling the series is going to be tied at two, but the Bucks end up taking five and six and are well on their way to the NBA Finals. Who you got in this series?
1: Yeah, I think um, first two games are going to be in Milwaukee. I think Milwaukee sweeps the floor with them in at least one of those games. Um, but one in a shock and they beat uh new york in a game one in a shot if, if they if they can put they certainly can play in milwaukee like that's no contest oh absolutely but, absolutely they are not going to um, be intimidated at all not at all but like this is this is what i was trying to say I was like none of these eastern conference teams deserve to be where they are like the net, the, the brooklyn nets we all like i'm like i don't Kyrie doesn't deserve to be here because of the of all his stupid shit. James Harden, the way he forced his way out of Houston, he does not deserve to get to the finals. KD, sure, you know, you worked your ass off back from the Achilles. I'll give you that. Milwaukee is such a unfinished product. Like, they're such a weak team to be in the finals, but they'll get there. Atlanta, it doesn't make any sense for Trey Young to get to the finals before any of these other young studs. And then We thought we didn't even think that we thought they would squeeze into the playoffs Into the finals would be ridiculous. And then Philly, I'm like, those losers don't deserve to get into the finals. Like, they're tanked for 10 years. Like, it doesn't make any sense. That's what I'm just saying. None of these four teams were really deserving of the finals like that. But my pick, I'll go, I think I'll go with you. I think I'll go Bucks and six. I can honestly see it anyway at this point. I could see Bucks and four. I could see Hawks and seven. I don't really know. But I'm going to go with you. I'm going to go Bucks and six.
0: Yeah, fair enough. I mean, it it should be an interesting series. I honestly agree with you in the sense that yeah, the East was it was kind of a crapshoot. Honestly, going into this year, because I like it could have been anyone's game. Really, I don't. Other than Brooklyn, I don't think anyone else. It was like, eh, maybe you know, do we really believe in Milwaukee? Do we really believe in Philly? Clearly, we were all right about Philly, and you can't believe in them. You know, we, we were wrong about Milwaukee. It turns out we can believe in them. But we'll see what happens no, she, in the conference I, finals.
1: I don't. I still don't believe. I picked them to make it to the finals, and I still don't believe in them. Like, I mean, they won it. I mean, they won shot, it. Chuck said it best. Chuck's like, "I picked them to win the championship, but they are the dumbest team."
0: Yeah, he did. He did sum that up pretty good. And I'll okay, I'll, okay, maybe I'll say this then. I don't. If you don't fully believe them, I believe them a little bit more after what they did in Game no, Seven.
1: I believe in them <laughs> based on their competition, not based on them.
0: Fair enough. Well, we'll see what happens. Hawks, Bucks, Eastern Conference Finals. One of them is going to be going to the NBA Finals, oh, and who will they face in the Western Conference? The Los Angeles Clippers have finally made it to the Conference Finals after beating the Utah Jazz in six. We'll get to that series in a minute. They will take. Oh, well, they've already taken on the Phoenix Suns. Game one already happened. The Suns defeated the Clippers on Sunday in Game 1. They lead that Series 1 game to nothing. Obviously, the headlines in this series, Kawhi Leonard missing Games 1 and 2 officially with a knee sprain. Maybe Game 3, maybe Game 4 is still up in the air. And then, of course, Chris Paul missed Game 1 due to health and safety protocols, whatever the hell that means. Does he have COVID? Does he not? Who the heck knows? But Chris Paul is out until further notice. I would assume he's back by Game 3 or Game 4. But we'll see what happens. But... Let's finish up with the Clippers' Jazz before we get to Clippers' Suns. I mean, talk about the Sixers blowing a huge lead. So did the Utah Jazz without Kawhi Leonard on the floor. The Utah Jazz managed to blow a 25-point lead. Any surprises in that game?
1: My, The whole series was just... The, fir- the first game is game five in Utah. No Kawhi Leonard. That Paul George, I apologize, man. That was a, a real game from him. Reggie Jackson, Marcus Morse, all balling out, but two balls. out. Then in the next game, they all did it again. And man of all dudes dropping 40. Like, Terrence Mann put on it. It was like, Yo, hell. I bet. I'm going to go get 40. And it was like, this is the whole thing with um, Rudy Gobert. And it's been this way for years now. It's like, yeah, he's the deploy, But like every single year, he's unplayable in the playoffs. Game five and Game six, Tyloo made the adjustment, and he's like, "Okay, you're gonna play Gobert. We're gonna go extra small. Whoever you're guarding, we're gonna stick them in the corner. And every time you drive, you're not gonna be able to recover." Terrence Man, Batum, all these guys are just getting wide open corner threes, and that's why he, yeah, he's the deep boy, but he's unplayable sometimes.
0: Yeah, facts. I think you summed it up well Um, when you're talking about the East and teams that deserve to make it. Now none of them really deserved it. The LA Clippers. Deserve to be in the Western Conference Finals for being able to step up in place of Kawhi Leonard. Because in that Mavericks series, we were sitting here saying, well, who the hell else is there other than Kawhi Leonard? And now there is no Kawhi Leonard, and yet everybody has managed to step up. Paul George is finally looking like the superstar Paul George that we know him to be. Reggie Jackson shooting the ball well. Like I said, Terrence Mann came out of nowhere.
1: Reggie Jackson's been consistent with
0: it, too. He has. He has been consistent. Marcus Morris is, is shooting well. The, the Clippers look good. Now I think they're going to do their their usual 0-2 deficit. I think they'll lose game two because, you know, the Clippers, you know, they, they do their whole drill of, you know, they know, they drop two games and then they wait to play real basketball until game three. But anyway, but but jokes aside, I mean, I think this is going to be a good series. I think for Utah, that's a heartbreaker. To lose to the Clippers, that was tough mm-hmm. to blow that Ronald kind of lead. Mitchell,
1: dude, yeah, Mitchell, that, that Yeah, that's he's, another guy. Uh, he, what did he have? 37 in that game. Mm-hmm. He's literally just doing everything he can. Connie's playing hurt. And I think, I really do think Donald Mitchell is like, I feel like he, if he was in a regular season, he'd be out for two weeks. Like, I feel like he's real hurt and he would come through that. I and mean, he was balling through that. So, yeah. This is two t- two years in a row. Last year, the Colony one was in and out. They were that close to advancing. And then this year, of all mans, t- Terrence Mann goes for 40 and you lose. I feel for that, dude.
0: Yeah, facts. And I also just want to shout out Donovan Mitchell one more time. Just absolutely mad respect to him and Joel Embiid for what they did in that conference semifinals. Both of them out there laboring hurt playing hurt but not only playing hurt but playing really 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 good basketball I mean I just mad respect to both of them but yeah it's it's an it's an unfortunate way to end for Utah to end the way that they did blowing a lead like that after the season that they had being the number one seed and all that but I mean you know what can you do but on to the Clippers Suns so the Suns lead one nothing and speaking of young stars Devin Booker my Lord, dropping 40 points and a triple-double in that Game 1 victory. Now, this game was interesting. Would you say this was more of, are the Suns just that good? Or was this more of like, I'm just going to disregard it because Kawhi wasn't there. And the Clippers usually lose, you know, Game 1 and 2 anyways.
1: Well, no, no. So, Ty Lu, who I called out earlier, has his adjustments have been like, literally, I think, probably the best in the whole playoffs after getting down 0-2 against, 0-2 against um, Utah. But he's going to have to make some more. Aiton's not – Aiton's more athletic than Gobert is, so he'll be able to, you know, rotate. He played Boogie yesterday. Boogie gave him good minutes. But I really thought, um, you know, there was a, a third-quarter span where Paul George and book went back and forth. And I thought this game was a Clipper, – Clippers needed to steal a game without Chris Paul. Because we see, like, they're not the same team without Chris Paul, and it no, took Kevin Booker unbelievable performance to make up for it. And like, he his triple double was a pure triple double, man. Like, you know, he was doing his thing scoring wise, but he had like ten real assists, and then he scored when he needed to score in that third quarter when the Clippers went on that run. So that was a beautiful takeover game, and I feel like the Clippers let one go. I feel like that should have been theirs.
0: Yeah, no, I I agree. The Clippers made a nice run late late in that game. But yeah, Devin Booker was sensational. But yeah, to your point, we we have seen what the Suns look like without CP3 and with CP3. You saw how in game, I think it was game two and game three of the Lakers series, Chris Paul didn't play as much due to that shoulder injury. And the Suns lost both of them and they didn't look that great. Then CP3 comes back fully healthy. They steamrolled the Lakers in games five and six go to Denver, smoke them in four games, absolute steamroll them. So now yeah, you're looking at the Clippers gaining some momentum without Kawhi saying no. Now the Suns don't have Chris Paul. This is a really good opportunity. I agree. They let that one get away. Having said that, they get another opportunity Tuesday night. So will the Clippers break out of that 0-2 slump that they've been on so far in the first two rounds? They've started out 0-2. Can they break that? I think the Suns are going to are going to are going to take it but I think the Clippers will end up coming back and winning the next two. I got Suns in seven. If Kawhi and Chris Paul both come back, that is my official pick, Suns in seven. But if neither come back, if Chris Paul just is out for the whole series and Kawhi Leonard doesn't end up coming back, I say Suns in six. If Kawhi comes back and Chris Paul does not come back, Suns, oh no, other way around. If Kawhi does not come back, but Chris Paul does come back, Suns in five.
1: Um... I think. See, this is a weird one, man. Like these, like injuries or whatever. Yeah, it's so, so dependent on
0: Kawhi and it's, CP's
1: availability. I know. Even like, see, like I heard originally CP was gonna miss the first two games, and then I heard everything possible for Kawhi. I was like, yo, it's <coughs> it's a low key hidden ACL tear, but they're not gonna say it. Or I've heard, yo, it's just a hyperextension and a hyperextended knee, whatever. I low key. Yeah, I've like heard it. Of- is- Yeah, I've heard like a different injury
0: update for Kawhi.
1: I feel like it's low-key is pretty serious and like he wouldn't be back till like game seven. But I picked the clips to go to the finals, man. So I have to roll with that. I'll go clips in seven.
0: Fair enough. Yeah, I I do think this is gonna be a great series, but I I really hope Kawhi is able to come back. I hope CP3 is able to come back at some point because this series would just be so much better with those two on the floor knowing how what kind of an impact they have on their team it would just make things so much more entertaining but either way i still think this is going to be a very
1: entertaining series i couldn't i couldn't imagine bro like watching your team in the conference finals while you're sitting at home
0: yeah no, chris paul's at home doing tiktok dances with his kids instead of playing in the conference finals i mean it's I mean it's unfortunate, but I mean we'll we'll see what happens if when CP3 comes back. But I really that's the whole reason I've been going for the Suns this whole time was because of Chris Paul. So to see him not there is is kind of frustrating. And especially out of all things because of COVID protocols, the one thing that's been bugging everybody over the past year and a half sucks. If it was an injury, it's like, oh, here we go again with an injury. But COVID protocols really out of all goddamn things, like man, that oh, that really, really irritated me that morning that that news came out. But I'm hoping for the best, and I hope he's able to return. But I'll take Suns and seven. You got Clips and seven. Should be great. And and before we move on to the coaching carousels, I just want to want to acknowledge two things here. First thing is the four teams left in the playoffs. It's kind of nice, man. 10 years ago, when LeBron went to Miami, we're sitting here being like, oh my God, what in the hell has happened to the NBA? It has been nothing but Miami, San Antonio, Golden State, Cleveland, Lakers. It's the same. San Antonio is
1: different. San Antonio. San Antonio.
0: I agree. I will exclude the Spurs from that because they were simply just an unbelievable, great historic team that will be remembered forever. So I will exclude them from that because I, I would never count them as a super team. I would never count them as a super team because they're not. But that's a whole discussion for another day. But anyways, but all the LeBron teams, the Curry-Durant teams, you're right, you kind of get the gist of that. And we're like, where the hell is the NBA going? Here we are in 2021 where we've got the Phoenix Suns who are making... Their first conference final appearance since 2010. Their last NBA final appearance was 1993. The LA Clippers have never made an NBA final. This is their first conference title appearance in their 50-year history. The Bucks, the last time they were in an NBA final, was 1974. Yeah. Yes, with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And the Hawks have also never been to an NBA final. One of them are gonna be crowned NBA champions this year. How cool is that?
1: Love
0: it. Like Love it's it, 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 it's it's amazing to see. This is what like four or five years ago when it was round four of the Warriors Cavaliers, we were like, oh my God, imagine one year it was like it would it's gonna be the Jazz and the and the Sixers in an NBA final. We're like and we're all laughing as if that's funny. Well guess what? Here we are to this day where it could be a hawks Suns NBA finals, boy. Like this is and this both is both of those real. teams
1: were like Literally two of the worst teams in the league last year.
0: Yes, they were two of the worst teams, literally. And you got Trey Young, who's like two, three years out of college. Same with Devin Booker leading their teams. It's incredible. And I love it. But anyways, I mean, it's something I just wanted to point out as to how cool that was. Altogether, the last championship appearance for any of these four teams was the Suns with Charles Barkley in 1993 absolutely incredible and the last thing before we move on to the coaching carousels well actually this has to do with coaches is i know there's been a a little bit some people have brought it up i know inside the nba on tnt i know they brought it up i'm sure Stephen a's brought it up i'm sure some people on instagram i know have brought it up too the whole thing of african-american coaches in the nba only seven out of 30 are african-american only 23 percent in the nba i know a lot Yes, sir. That's exactly where I was going with this. Three of the remaining four coaches are African-American. Monty Williams, Nate McMillan, and Ty Lue. And I know a lot of people are like, oh, you know, why do you have to acknowledge this? And and why is it about race and blah, blah, blah. No, 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 no. Seven out of 30. When this is a league that is primarily made up out of African-American players, it's a big deal. When there are only seven out of 30 that are african-american coaches only 23 say if there were 10 15 20 different story but only seven out of 30 and three out of the four are there yes this is something that needs to be acknowledged and that's why i'm taking this minute to acknowledge the job that Lu, monty williams and nate mcmillan have done because all three of them have done an absolutely incredible job monty williams taking a phoenix suns team that was in the gutter for the last nine years, go 8-0 in the bubble, and then rip off 50 wins this season, one game short of the best record in the entire NBA, and then basically steamroll, kick LeBron James out in the first round, which has never been done before, steamroll the MVP in Nikola Jokic, and then win game one of the Western Conference Finals without Chris Paul. Sensational. Nate McMillan, we've already talked about him. What an incredible job as an interim coach. He's done with Atlanta, bringing them to the Conference Finals. Simply incredible. And then Ty Lu, who you pointed out earlier. I mean, incredible. He he what, he what brought Cleveland, their first NBA title, and now he brings the Clippers to their first Conference title. I, I just want to take the minute to applaud all three of them. Amazing to see. Anything you want to touch upon that before we move on to the coaching carousel?
1: No, you hit it all, man. They all, they all do good jobs, and the the one that sticks out of the floor, man. I mean, Budenholzer is, is a class below all three of them, at least a class.
0: Yeah, <laughs> Budenholzer. Yeah, he is in there too, and and obviously him being you know not African American or anything, but I still think Budenholzer, you know, like we already talked about him. This is a big opportunity for him, man, to to sh- to sh- shut up the haters, really. You know, after all these years having a great Milwaukee Bucks team trying to get to the NBA Finals, this is a big opportunity for Mike Budenholzer to done too. And I know we we kind of bashed him earlier. You know, after for him kind of being a liability, if you will, for the Milwaukee Bucks in that net series, really all season long. But if he's able to take the Bucks to the finals and win the chip, you know, might have to might have to be time for us to shut up about about Mike Budenholzer. But I mean, I, I will throw him in there too. Acknowledge what he's done, leading them over a big win over Brooklyn. I'll give Bud um, some appreciation there as well. But speaking of coaches, the big news here. So since we left off last week, we already knew your Boston Celtics are looking for a new head coach. We know Stotts is out in Portland. We know Clifford's out in Orlando. And the Pacers are also looking for a head coach. But now you can add the Washington Wizards, the New Orleans Pelicans, and shockingly, the Dallas Mavericks added to the coaching vacancies with Rick Carlisle leaving the Dallas Mavericks after 13 seasons. Stan Van Gundy's out after one in New Orleans, and then Scott Brooks is out of Washington. I think the obvious one here that we want to talk about is Rick Carlisle, but where, which one do you want to start with here?
1: First of all, hold on. Milwaukee was going to be on that list the weekend. Oh, no, doubt. <laughs> no doubt. No <laughs> so doubt. No doubt. So they say if they... Uh, hey, one less team to compete against for some of these coaches. But um uh the big thing for me is Dallas, man. I can't believe before the Rick Carla one, I think literally the day before they fired Don Nelson, like their president of basketball album. he has been there for yep. twenty five years and drafted Nash, Dirk, everybody, right? Like he like Cuban's boy. And now there was there was all those rumblings about Luca with somebody in in the front office and a lot of them were looking at uh i bought it, and he was um he's like analytical guy or whatever and it just didn't make any sense i mean luca probably doesn't even know who that guy is and now Don Nelson being out i was like sheesh this is real and then there was tensions between luca and carlisle and Carlisle and i mean that's one of Denver, Dallas is like one of those franchises where it's like that's like Miami getting rid of Spolstra and yeah then it is of, It is like that and you get rid of Nelson and Carlisle because Luka wants it this literally reminds me of as soon as LeBron went to Miami he's like yo I want Spolstra fired and Ty Riley's like no screw off like Spolstra's our guy and I'm surprised they didn't do that with Luka Mark Cuban really just catered to whatever Luca wanted and I'm shocked I'm really shocked by it and now they're talking about to hire Durkin as an as an advisor which I think is a great move because I think Luca will listen to him and they're looking at Jason Kidd as as head coach who was on that championship team so that's a real weird one but I have a question for you before we move on this teams if you're a head coach where would you want to go
0: yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to ask you the same thing as what do you think is the best destination? Now, Dallas, I think, would have been atop this list, but considering the turmoil that's going on there, I don't really know if I want to be a part of that, especially knowing that, like you said, Nelson's no longer there at GM. So now you're going in without a GM, which is a little concerning. When I look at this list, I think which team is the most prepared to take the next step To win a championship, and that's the Portland Trailblazers for me. That's the team when I look at all of these. Next, I would probably put second to that your Boston Celtics, and that's because both of those teams have a superstar. Now, Dallas has got Luka Doncic. We all know what he can do and and where he's going and the the star that he is, but like I said, there's that turmoil that's kind of there. I'd want to go to Portland because you got Damian Lillard there. You got CJ McCollum there. You got guys who are hungry and ready to win if I'm a head coach, that's the team on on this list that looks like the most ready to take that next leap. I'm going to Portland.
1: I, I, Portland's one of the teams I'd want to go to, honestly. Really? Boston to me, Boston to me is hands down the number one. Because okay, okay, coach, but is
0: that, but is that is that more of like like a bias no, take or like no, a legitimate straight up,
1: straight take? Straight up, straight up, straight. up. Okay, okay, okay. I'm going to go to a team. I'd rather go to New Orleans before I go to Portland. I want to go to a team with young building blocks that I can grow with. You got the Jays in Boston. I have Zion and Ingram in, in New Orleans. I don't – look, Dame's in the middle of his prime right now. The pressure for him to win right now is so high. If I'm a coach and I go there and I don't show any success in one year, I'm on the hot seat. He's
0: yeah. in his see, prime. See, here's the thing. Here, I'll point this in and then I'll let you finish your thought of with Portland of what I would do. Because there's that pressure, like you mentioned, I would try to do whoever, I don't even know who the GM is. Whoever the GM is in Portland, what I would do is try your very best to try, I don't know who, we can save this for another discussion in the offseason. I would try to trade for another star. And I would do something similar to what the Raptors did in 2019. Right, The Raptors had all these years of heartbreak. It's how can we take the next step? They brought in a new head coach, but then they also made that move for another star. That's what Portland needs to do. Bring in another yeah. guy, so but bring do, in another star too.
1: But you're going to go as a coach to a team you don't already know that doesn't have that star? Fair enough.
0: That's a good point. That's a good call. All right. And go ahead. Like, and
1: uh, in the West is. And I, to be honest, if I'm there, I don't even know how long Dame is staying. But the, th- Dame but the Dame thing could, is. game could turn around and be like, yo, if we get off to a bad start next year, Dame can be like, yo, I want out. And then. that's
0: that's a good point. With the amount of power that these, that these players have, that's a really good point. But here's the thing. Are we really going to say, no question, the West is a, is an absolute gong show. But after this year, seeing what the Phoenix Suns have done, are you really going to look at the West and be like, wow, the West is so hard? Phoenix is incredibly youthful. They don't, on paper. You look at them; they're like they don't really have like a ton of big name players. They got a lot of young guys who are just playing incredible basketball. But that goes with the culture. I, I, I would call that. I would put a lot of emphasis on the culture that Monty Williams brought on the on the young
1: guys, though. Yeah, come on. Okay, if they traded for a wing version of Chris Paul, then sure, I'll go to Portland. But. If I'm going to – I can go to the East. You're telling me Boston can't make uh, – they were in the Eastern Conference Finals last year. You're telling oh, no, Boston, me they I can't. You're yeah. telling me they would just, like, a little, like, you know, you replace uh, Kemba with whoever, and now uh, they can get right back to the Eastern Conference. They can – Atlanta, like, you're telling me Atlanta's yeah. that much better than them? Fair enough.
0: No, I definitely agree. That's why I have Boston second because if you're going to Boston, you know you're getting a sure – Thing in Jason Tatum, you're getting a guy that you know that you can put the ball in the hands of in the fourth quarter, and he's going to win you games. So that's a huge factor when I go to Boston. So I'm I'm with totally with you on that aspect of things.
1: Yeah, for me, no, I just don't like. There's two in Portland. It's like he, you're going to be in the West. You know, there's going to be a new all these stacked teams already, and then you're going to add in Golden State next year, and games in win now mode, and he. I feel like he's right on the brink to being frustrated and being the next star on the move. We almost saw yep. it this year.
0: Yep. No, I, I, i agree with that. I do think that it could definitely go South in a hurry, which is why I think Portland needs to do two things, which obviously one, get your guy as coach or girl for that matter. Becky, is she, a
1: finalist,
0: huh? yes, she is. And that's what I'm saying. It could be, I heard this morning, it was either between her and Billups. So we'll see what happens there. And, Having said that, the second step would be trading another star because you know you can't win with who you have right now. So you got to do something else to try and get another star to make Damian Lillard have whoever. And I said this back when the Blazers got eliminated. This has got to be Dame's guy, and then you got to listen to Dame. If he says that he wants another star, get him another star.
1: Do whatever it it, takes. But like that's so much. All of those teams could use. You put Fair another start, Like G- Dallas, first of all, Dallas overachieved the last two years. Look at that roster. You're telling me that team should even make the playoffs or, besides Luca, Tim Hardaway Jr. is your second best player. The fact that Carlisle even got them to where they were, he had a great job. You're telling me Dallas, if they add another start, they can't just be like a top three seed? They easily. definitely
0: could. They definitely could. And, and who knows what's going to happen with Porzingis because he seems like he wants out. So... I yeah definitely you're, yeah it's a good call you're right because same thing put, with Boston put, yeah if you put if you, a third
1: if you star in Boston yeah there yeah exactly they could there, be there the you front go front runners in the East right away like. yep
0: yeah no that's a good point that that is a fair point and it's ironic because when you look at where you would want to go out of these destinations pretty much all of them except for maybe Orlando Orlando's the only one that is very very young but every other team on this list has got. At least a superstar on that team. You go to Dallas, you're getting you're getting Luca. New Orleans, yeah, you're getting Zion. Right? Yeah. You got Washington, you get the you got Russ and Beal. Blazers, I wouldn't you got go there, though. Washington? Oh hell no! I hell, but God no! I wouldn't want to go to Washington. It's the most unappealing place on this list, with Orlando. Besides but Orlando and but, Indiana
1: too. Uh, Indiana is just like a team that you're never gonna like. Even, yeah Nate I was McMillan gonna th- was a four seed there and and they still fired him like how much more do you want from a guy in Yeah
0: Indiana, I buddy? just hey man I Indiana made a huge mistake because look where Nate McMillan is now coaching in the Eastern Conference finals so yeah, they made a huge mistake with that one. but then yeah, you go to Indiana and you get a, and you get the coach guy like Demont Sabonis. but I mean I I definitely agree. I think Orlando, Indiana, and Washington are probably at the bottom of the list because there's not much intrigue there. Orlando, I think, really, really, really needs a culture change more than anything. Indiana and Washington are kind of just there, and they've kind of always just been there. Like, they've never been, like, a really great team or, like, a really bad team. So I don't really know what I'm getting out of that. But then the, I, but then the other ones, Dallas, Boston, New Orleans, and Portland, Yeah, those, those are, those are
1: interesting. Yeah, those are yeah. interesting. And Stan Van Gundy, imagine feeling Stan Stan Van Gundy was so, uh, he was easily the worst coach in the league last year. I'm going to go to New Orleans, I'm looking like, I'm about to get a statue outside of my name following that dude.
0: Yeah, yeah, facts. Yeah, Van Gundy definitely, clearly did not not bode well with the youngsters in, in New Orleans. And I think it was Shaq that was saying this. Uh, the other night was saying that when he played for Van Gundy, he was like, he's more of an old school guy and that doesn't really mesh with the younger guy. So that could have been it because, yeah, I think Sam Van Gundy is a good coach, but it just didn't work out in New Orleans. And I think they need a guy that's a bit younger to maybe kind of help them. Maybe maybe Chauncey goes to New Orleans, right? A, A younger former player, you know, who's won championship or we have won championships can can go to a team like New Orleans and kind of rejuvenate them
1: there. But I'm very interested in, they're in one the, of those teams that might they might be on the move. They might there's rumor about Seattle.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that yes, I heard about that too. Yeah, New Orleans could, yeah, the Pelicans could definitely be on the move. But um the last thing here I want to say this so out of the, the candidates that are available, including Rick Carlisle, because I know I have a feeling Rick Carlisle is going to go to one of these teams here, two questions. One, now that Carlisle's gone, who would you want in Boston? And two, which head coach that is available would you say has like is going to be the is going to go to one of these places that's going to be the best?
1: So Like who who's the who, yeah, who's yeah. the
0: best candidate on the list?
1: So I think Rick Car- still in Boston. Rick Carlisle would have been a shoe in, fair, because um, they played together in all their history. And I lo- Rick Carlisle is a good coach, but he um, is. Boston they, they narrowed it down to three dudes. they narrowed it down to the Chauncey, um, Yudoka who's on Brooklyn staff, and uh, ham who's on also on the Clippers' staff. So those are their three. I think the, the most ideal fit would have been if if um, thing were to lose if B- Milwaukee were to lose and Rick Carlisle took over Milwaukee, I think that would have been the most ideal fit. And I think the worst fit possible would have been. It, I'm so glad Portland's not doing this. But if Portland went after Mike D'Antoni, like there was rumors about, mm-hmm. hands down the worst fit. They, yeah, they're already are so offense or offense oriented, and and to just throw out any possible defense, my god, Dame would have. Yeah, maybe, but they ain't <laughs> getting past the first round.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a good call with that. But I mean, we'll we'll see what happens, and we'll definitely keep an eye on the coaching carousel throughout the next few weeks and keep out for any hires by each week goes on but before we end off this episode there's one last one last piece of news after the million piece of news that came out your guy Kemba has been traded to the Oklahoma City Thunder what are your thoughts on that trade
1: No oh, finally I'm not even going to lie uh yeah, there's so I don't know if you've been paying attention but there's been so many leaks about the the state It's so obviously coming from his camp about the Celtics. You know, there's that report about how Billy Griffin was told not to come to the Celtics, and it was like you know the Jordan Brand connection with him and Kemba. It was so obvious. Like then apparently him and there's him and Brad Stevens weren't seeing eye to eye. Brad Stevens was really, which is as expected. You're a 40 million dollar guard who's not producing. Like you should be hard. Yeah. And then. There's another report that's like, oh, he um they felt that Marcus Smart was being over prioritized, or like the coach favored Marcus Smart, which to me is like every other team in the league would be like, what coach wouldn't prioritize playing a guy that hustles? Like that's just like common basketball sense. And then you know he's he's got Sour Grapes and Brad Stevens. And then the fact that there's another thing that came out, and this was really interesting to me, it was that in the bubble when he was already hurt because of, you know, he, your boy Nick Nurse played him 40 minutes in the All-Star game. But uh, he uh, was given all these knee exercises in the bubble to do because, you know, they couldn't actually train them like to get themselves in their room. And he didn't do them. So then by the time they was actually in the bubble, he was two months behind on his knee recovery. And then the Celtics from that point on were like, yo, not committed it, and all that stuff. So I feel like it's just like crazy now. I feel like it happens with every single guard that the Celtics have that there's this turmoil. with.
0: Yeah, fair. Yeah, it started with Kyrie and then now with Kemba. And yeah, I mean, it's, an, it's unfortunate. I mean, this is a trade I think we all kind of saw coming with how... Kemba turned out in Boston and I know when Kemba first signed with Boston a lot of us liked it and we're like wow this is this is not a bad fit but obviously that did not turn out nowhere near as good as what we all thought it was going to be so I mean I'm, I'm not surprised this happened I think none of us are surprised that it happened but it'll be interesting to see who Boston kind of goes with yeah. next to fill so that this void.
1: Is, this is the interesting like it's a it's a salary dump right like and I was just initially like, yo Horford um doesn't Horford have a pretty big contract too so it didn't really make any sense to me because that's the reason he left Boston just because Philly threw a crazy number at him but then you look at it and it's like yeah it's a, it's a big contract this year but then next year it's like not even guaranteed so they can get off the books and they basically did it so next year you know Horford and maybe the Thompson's expiring deal get rid of those two guys and they have a max spot available and yeah. that's a 2022's absolutely loaded free agency class I think they had Kyrie as the 10th best player in that class
0: oh jeez. so oh. to have
1: a max spot available then is big time um I, I originally thought Warford was gonna just not even play at all this year but now I'm coming around to it I'm like you know the Jays always really liked Warford just another vet guy that the Celtics need because they didn't have any of that presence last year. So maybe it'll help out there. And then Moses Browns is someone that I'm actually shocked at throwing into that trade. I thought the Thunder really liked him. I thought I guess they're going sticking with Isaiah Roby now at the center. But Moses Brown's a dude I've been following since high school, since he was playing in New Jersey. when you with Jalen Hands and he had 20 and 20 against us this year. So hey, he got some upside. He's 21-2. A hustle player, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if he plays some some good minutes in the rotation.
0: Fair enough. Yeah, I don't know much about him, but from from hearing what you've said about him, um, I think that's a nice prospect for Boston to have. But so one last thing before we finish here. So because Ainge is gone now, so Brad Stevens is in it. So was would you say this was Brad Stevens' first move as executive? Yeah.
1: And, Interesting. Like, uh, it was he didn't want to. It was hard for him to trade Kemba, but looking hmm. at the financials, it just made sense. And yeah, yeah does.
0: Yeah, and I find it interesting Especially too that if after you
1: can get a good, yeah,
0: yeah. No, I find it interesting after you're saying too that how Brad Stevens was hard on Kemba, and then his first move as an executive is to trade him off to OKC. I find it interesting too, but you know, I, no, mean, I mean, yeah, if it made it.
1: It, it, if it made gonna, sense financially like, too. Like not only that, so this dude. This dude plays basically one every three games. When he plays three, when he plays in that one game, he Fair. gets picked on completely on, on defense. And then he was at the point where his knee wasn't allowing him to offset that. Cause in Charlotte, he was scoring enough where it would offset what he was getting picked on. Wasn't the case in Boston. So he was just basically a negative on the floor. And then you move that plus you get the financial flexibility. Maybe, you know, now you have enough money to re-sign Fournier this year or sign another guard. There's Lonzo talk, Spencer Dinwiddie talk. It just makes too much sense.
0: Fair. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. It seems like it's a good move. But, I mean, we'll see what Boston does. We'll see who they choose for head coach. But that will do it for this week's episode of Baller Island. Eastern Conference Finals get going on Wednesday night. Western Conference Finals game two Tuesday night. Should be good. B, final thoughts?
1: Just came out. Ben Simmons may sh- switch shooting hands.
0: Oh good God. Let the offseason begin and the rumors for the Philadelphia 76ers and Ben Simmons. Good grief. This guy's really gonna this guy is really gonna try every single thing in the book to try Might and well, sh- man, oh man, it can
1: only get better.
0: <laughs> oh my goodness. On that note, that's a wrap for this week's episode of Baller Island. Don't forget to give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter. Jay Sehota, Allah, he's signing off. Hope everyone has a great week. Ben Simmons is officially switching shooting hands, and that will do. And that will do it. So we'll see what happens next week on Baller Island. Stay tuned. Keep it locked, and we will see y'all next week. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Baller Island. We got a lot more content coming your way, so make sure to give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter for more sports news and analysis.